Good morning and welcome to the Brown Book. It's Heather joining me today is Kelly King, my special guest, to let me know and you know who she is. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? Good morning, Heather. Everyone that listening. How are you? You you didn't know partying last night? Last night, I got a voice today. <laughs> well, I went out partying last night. I went to my daughter's 30th birthday party, but it's not her birthday yet. So I behaved myself and came home. Home by 11, still buzzing at midnight, but here I am. We're all got the coffee and the biscuits and the drugs beside me, so we're all good for this morning. It's a gorgeous day in Sydney, absolutely beautiful. Well, yeah, it's sunny here. Yesterday was horrendous. So, got a good day for it. So, Kelly, tell me who you are. Tell everybody who you are. Okay, well, I'm Kelly. Um, I'm 67 years old. Um, I've been out since I was 17. So, I've had a fairly wild life. It's been a wild ride. I'm still here. Still going. Still going. Yeah, I think I've surprised a lot of people, including myself, that I'm still here. Uh, Only the good guy, young Kelly. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I don't believe in karma. If you lived my life, you wouldn't. Um, yeah, so I live out on the fringe of Sydney now, and um, I've been clean and sober for about uh, 37 years. And, yeah, I live a quiet life, but I've kind of got a wild side still, so I enjoy the odd get-out-and-party and get out and meet friends. I live to eat and eat to live and so to spend a lot of time socializing on weekends but when i'm home i'm home i don't talk to anyone i don't go anywhere i don't do very much at all whatsoever um, so expand on this eating is it is it fancy food or is it just good food um healthy food because of uh any food i love food i'm heading out after this podcast to meet a friend over in um beverly hills he's in a wheelchair Met him through work years ago, and we've got a common interest with the horses. But we're eating Greek today. Whoa. Yeah, I lost my appetite. I had uh, throat cancer a year ago and had uh, seven weeks of radiation and chemo, and so far clear after a year. For my but lost my taste buds. It was the worst thing in the world for me to have lost. It didn't stop me going out. It didn't stop me socialising, but uh, food is totally different now. I just have to eat it visually sometimes because sweet things burn my mouth and uh, I don't know, everything's different. I, I have trouble with just breads and things like that still because I have very little uh, saliva. It takes out a lot of your salivary glands. And um, yeah, but it didn't matter. I did that treatment well. And yeah, really glad to sort of still be here and not having to battle so far. Well, you, you're probably lucky to be talking. In, in oh, that's a lovely. <laughs> no, no, no. Being and um, yelling over the crowd last weekend. So, you know, it doesn't take much to take my voice out, though I didn't ever lose it. Um, and I didn't lose my ability to eat and to chew and to swallow. Though I got sick, very sick right at the end when I finished up and ended up in hospital for a bit. And uh, I lost a lot of weight. And so I really had to make myself eat for a while because even though I couldn't taste it, I had to eat because I was just losing weight so quickly. And um, whilst that was good. Yeah, it's 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 sort of it's sort of a um, it, it 
probably um, makes you more well, acknowledge stuff that everybody else just takes for granted. They just they just put the stuff in their mouth, tastes nice, they swallow it um, after chewing it a bit, and it's all fine. And it's not a problem. And then go through something like you've been through, and wow, eating is really complicated, man. Like there's stuff that's got to happen, and it's not happening now. And that's that's got to be bizarre for the brain to cope Eddie, and that uh the, the oncologist she said you'll hate me at the end she said because if you live to socialize and to eat she said i'm going to take that away from you and i said well that's the way it is and um but i you know you work your way around everything you know i'm a very visual person so if something looks nice on the plate i'll um i'll eat it you know i, I love what food looks like at times, you know, if it's beautifully presented. Because I don't think, you know, if I lost my taste or anything like that, I don't think I could eat anyway. Like, I would just, the concept of what they actually taste like, even though I can't taste them, would still put me off. I love Brussels sprouts. I had a big bowl of them the other night with my dinner. Yeah, it's, it's sweet things actually that, are, which I was never a big sweet things eater anyway. So, uh, you know that hasn't been a loss. But you know, there's times where you do want something sweet, and it burns my mouth. So I can't have it. Well, I can have it, but it certainly has lost its impact of anything sweet. Um, but there's not many foods I've never eaten. I love all sorts of foods. I'll try anything. I went to. Um, the UK in July, and I couldn't wait to get to Scotland to try haggis. Um, I'd eaten black pudding before, but I remember haggis, and I loved it. Everywhere we went and they had it with the breakfasts, I had it. You know, like I am an, I'm a very adventurous eater, and I love to try something. I may not like it, but I'll try it. And so, yeah. Um, I'm probably the opposite. My my upbringing was very bland in food and, and I've come a long way in what I do eat. But, um, yeah, there's stuff that's like, oh, no, I'm not even trying it. Sorry, ew. And black pudding was, oh, no, there's blood in there. Blah, blah. And, <laughs> and uh, but like, um, what are your um thoughts about the uh, concept that um, sugar actually enhances your cancer? Oh, I've never heard it. I, when I found out I had cancer, I didn't kind of bottom out. I didn't kind of go into panic mode and, um, you know, look up all of these reasons and look up all of these cures. I just went with the oncology team and just did what I was asked to do. Um, the only thing I will say is my cancer was caused, caused from the HPV, um, the human papilloma, whatever it is, virus. Yeah. And, um, so, unfortunately, mm. it is something that obviously my body has and has held. You know, they said I could have had it for 20 years, which was very likely because I hadn't had an active um, sexual partner for a long time while I was bringing up my children. So, I obviously would have got it back then beforehand and carried it. And so, I don't know if it's COVID that tripped it off, strangely enough, because when I had COVID, I got a swollen gland that didn't go down. And that was when I noticed it. That was when I went off to the doctor. That's when I got tested. But I didn't ever look at any any alternative cures, any things that might help or end up my recovery. I just went with the 
went with the flow. Yeah, um, my friend in Perth had two bouts of cancer in in different places, and she's she's um, had radiation and chemo and everything like that. But she's also gone down kind of a naturopath side of things as well, um, just because um, she. She made a conscious choice that because she couldn't get enough information about the COVID vaccine, that there was potential for it to bring the cancer back and she was in remission. And because nobody would answer her questions um, honestly and um, she just could not, in her mind, have an informed decision about the vaccine, she didn't have it. Which changed her life forever, and in, in the essence of where she could be and what work she could do and how she could do it. So, yeah, I did. I had the vaccination, yeah, first one and then the booster, only because I, um, in the beginning, we were getting a lot of peer pressure at work, and I love working, and I just knew if I fought it and I said no, 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 I'm not going to have it, I'm not going to have it, I would, um, yeah, I would have. Possibly at that stage lost my job. They were talking about legal stuff at the time. And I was actually one of the first people at work to have had the vaccination, but I didn't ever let them know I'd had it. No, I wasn't until I'd had my second booster that I even told them I let them suffer. But um, <laughs> if I had had my own choice, I wouldn't have had the vaccination because I'm a little bit of a believer in have stuff and let your body fight. And when I did have COVID, um, I wasn't even really sick. I had a friend that had never been vaccinated. She had the COVID around the same time and she had exactly the same symptoms. So I'm not a big believer that vaccines work. I mean, what they were, the propaganda around it was that, you know, it was going to save the world or other people from getting it. It wasn't going to save anyone from getting it. Yes, it may have cut down some of your symptoms, but I never had much symptom and neither did my friend who wasn't vaccinated. So, you know, it's the luck of the game. I've never had a flu vaccine. You know, we'll do the basics when I have to do the basics, but, you know, I won't fight the system too hard. So, yeah, I, I took three. I didn't want the fourth and I didn't have the fourth. I took the three because my son lives in WA. So getting to WA meant I had to have the same. And it was job-related as well. I think most people put their arm out, not because they believed that it was going to do much, but um, it's job-related. I mean, there's, there's women when I was taxi driving that were, they were up to their sixth shot because they were immune deficient and stuff like that. We were just adding to the immune deficiency by giving the vaccine, as far as I can tell. Well, percent. I, I, and I'm anti-antibiotic um, as well unless it's necessary. And so I feel very sorry for people that have had COVID and have ended up being on antibiotics unnecessarily because it's viral. Yeah. You know, there's no point, you know, uh, I probably have more of an issue with um, antibiotic than I do with vaccine. Well, and the overuse of antibiotic is far greater than the overuse of vaccine, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's a little pet topic with me because I've had hepatitis C and I've been treated for that and then did the interferon and cleared that. And so I know a lot about viruses. I know how viruses work. I know how your body works with the virus. And, you know, it's not antibiotic. Antibiotic's not going to fix anything. I had someone come down with a, a, you know, a related cold to someone else's, whatever kind of cold it was. Yeah. Um, straight on antibiotic. I've got another, my friend that I'm meeting for lunch today, 
he's been struggling with this cough for a long time. I know the people that had that cough. And, you know, antibiotics just prolonging the misery. You know, let your body do the fighting. And I should have been paranoid. I should have been worried. I was on chemo and I was on, you know, having radiation. You know, my, my immune system was, you know, down on the floor. But I, it never stopped me going out. I didn't run around with a mask on. I knew that wasn't going to stop me catching anything in the big picture of things. And, you know, my doctor wanted me to have a further vaccination and a flu one. And I said, look, no. And so she just kept aside one of those antiviral shots. Should I get anything? And that was fine. Made her happy, made me happy. And that way I didn't have to have further vaccinations. And I didn't stop doing anything. I still went out. Only masked up when I went to the hospital because out of respect, I wasn't the only one there that was sick. And so if I was sick, I didn't pass it on if I could do a little bit towards it. Yeah. But and I, I worked all the way through COVID. I socialized every opportunity through COVID and, um, yeah, kicked on. So I didn't get COVID until right at the end, but I was lucky my doctor was onto it. And I was with that swollen gland. I thought it was post-COVID and she was straight onto it, actually. She sent me straight off for a... Um, you know, scan and for a biopsy. She never did. Oh, it must be COVID. It must have come on. It's an antibiotic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 the choice of most doctors. My my view is um, like not necessarily cancer or COVID or anything like that. But um, in general, I have a friend who was initially diagnosed with bipolar. Then she was later, years later, diagnosed re-diagnosed as having a schizoid disorder and given new medication, uh, which has caused her to just flatline as a personality and um, gain a, a bunch of weight. Um, and like the medication she started on created other psychoses and other issues in other parts of her body. And the medication she's on now is pretty much, oh, well, you know, in five years, your kidneys are going to fail, so you're going to be on dialysis in five years. It's like, what? what and you're going to give me this drug? Like, that's appropriate or something? And I, I don't, uh, I, I really don't want to get older and I have to just start putting drugs in me that I don't want. No, no. I mean, the, uh, the hep C um, thing that I did, if I hadn't have tried to clear it out of my system, mm. it was going to it was going to go into my liver and my liver could only fight for so many years and I'd had it for over 20 years and it killed my ex-girlfriend. You know, she ended up with liver cancer. And so I did what I could to clear and I was lucky I did clear. This clear. There is no way to clear this virus that I've got. I suppose this, um, I suppose like with the most viruses, you look after yourself, you, you kind of have a healthier lifestyle and, and, um, you know, try your best not to run yourself down, so forth. But, um, yeah, there are medications and there are medications that are necessary or will help. But I do think learning to cope with yourself, I mean, I've always been really hyper. I would have, I suppose, if I was born now, been put on ADHD medication or whatever it is now. But I've learnt over the years, how to manage myself, how to manage my addictive side and my alcoholic side, and how to keep going forward without those the medications. Yeah, yeah. Self-medicating. And I think in 
in so many ways I've grown up and you do grow up when you learn to live without things, mm -hmm. without medication, without something that's going to help you modify your behaviors, uh, you're better off. Yeah. You are the one that's in the driver's seat, not a medica you know, not a drug, not, you know, any kind of medication. I know some people use a lot of things to keep them going. Um, and they feel better for it. But I've had depression. I've had really bad depression. I've had suicidal depression. And yet through time and learning a lot of the triggers it has taught me how to manage myself, how to manage my thinking and to balance out. Yeah, because and, and a lot of, especially uh, antidepressant medication, I've been on that myself, um, like... Um, it's treating the symptom of sadness, but it's not, it's doing nothing for the reason why the sadness is there. And without removing that, then there's no point for the medication really. No, 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 no. I, 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 and it's the same with any kind of medication. I want to treat the cause. So if a medication can treat the cause, like an anti-inflammatory can treat the cause to stop the pain, that's fine. But I don't want to take a painkiller that's going to mask pain. And to me, antidepressants mask. Mask pain, yeah. Yeah? No, whether it be emotional or mental. No. You know, the, the biggest thing I learned, you know, early when I started going to AA and NA back in the day, I learned to live it not in the day, but in the moment. And so if I'm anxious, I have to have a look and see if I'm projecting into the future and I don't manage it. Or if I'm feeling quite melancholy, am I living in the past? You know, what am I, where, where am I thinking? You know, you can think about the past, you can think about the future, about feeling it. And if you're not coping with how you're feeling about either direction, you've got to be able to learn to bring yourself back into the moment. You know, like a lot of people use touch and um, sight. Yeah. Um, I, I will bring myself into a physical being. I'm here, I'm sitting on the lounge, I'm talking to you. Uh, is anything around me happening that is going to harm me mentally or emotionally or physically? And it's a no. So there I am. You know, I can pull myself right back. And well, is that a variation of the phrase um, that you're supposed to use? Is it true? Is what you're thinking true? Would that be a variation of that? Very, very, very true. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, uh, I've just learned my way, and I have taught other people to do that, you know, that have depression or anxiety is to center yourself, to bring yourself back into the here and now. It's not happening now. It's your thinking. Try and bring your thinking into the moment. And it's a skill. It's a, it's an absolute skill and it's invaluable. If you can learn it and, and learn to do it, I'm not into meditating. I'm not into anything alternative at all, but that skill is um has been invaluable for me because you know like i was yeah, very suicidal especially you know towards the end of my drug addiction you know like i couldn't see any way out and so when i did plan i did and i tried everything that was suggested to me in those early um years of rehab and meetings and meeting people going through the same thing and i took away everything i could possibly do yeah and um you know tried not just talked it but tried to walk it you know, and I have done. I'm really happy personally myself. You know, it's rare that I'm reactive to situations. Or... I think some of that comes with um, the age of the stuff that you've been through. 
But, you know, and, and taking ownership of your whole life, um, being open about who you are or what you've done, and, yeah, you've got to pick your time and place to tell people, but people that are close to me know the majority of stuff that I've been and done and said, and um, they they accept me for who I am, and if they don't accept me for who I am and they find my past offensive to them in any shape or form, that's fine. They can go and do their life and I do my life. And so, but they can't ever come back and hurt me with it because those that matter to me don't mind mm. at all. Yeah. And, and my family, my work friends, you know, I'm open. You know, I can sit there at work and talk about active heroin addiction. You know, I can talk about the things that I did during active heroin addiction to support a habit, you know. Yeah. Um, it, I, I'm open about it, and, and people appreciate that. And I don't, I don't feel any shame. I mean, why should I? I mean, it was my past, and that's your ownership of your past. You don't want to let your past. Well, the other thing too is um, your past makes you who you are, and it's happened. You can't change it, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing, to be ashamed of because you are here today as the person you are today because of what happened that day. So without it, you wouldn't be you. Uh, and and so um, it's a very important part of who you are today. My abuse from my adopted mother makes me who I am today. So I'm grateful for that because there's certain aspects of that that make me hypervigilant. Um, it makes it easy for me to talk like this about just about any topic. Um, and there's parts of it that are on the bad side and I can fall into that sometimes. I overthink, I overshare, I do all these yada yada things. But at the same time, when I sit back and have a look and I take that step back from myself and go, well, do you know what? I actually don't mind being hypervigilant and I would be dead if I couldn't think anymore. And that's not bad either. And if everybody else doesn't like that, well, then. Sid, what else is the people you need in your life? Yeah, so be it. And and you're the only one, doesn't matter who you are, like your unique story um, makes your mental health care, the only person that can actually do your mental health care is you because you're the only one who's been through all the things you've been through because your life is unique. And mine's completely different to yours. So a broad, a broad spectrum treatment that they want to pass out, like they say to me, in one, I don't even know what format of care it is. Um, go back to a place before the pain. And I'm like, hmm, there really isn't one. Oh, there has to be, there isn't one. And then you finish up being triggered and reactive and, well, I'm not going back there again. So you don't get any assistance from that protocol and then you go to another protocol and that's got something about it and in the end sit down with a book and yourself and you start writing and you work your own mind out mm. Mm. exactly yeah you don't want to you don't want to feel your pain from back then you don't need to what? you know you need oversharing yeah i'm an oversharer i'm quite happy to share anything i don't i'm not an overfeeler i have the only thing i re I, I will say I regret. I think I I pull myself into such um, a compartment that I'm I don't feel very much. I'm not emotional 
you know, I can enjoy and I can laugh and I can have fun, but I can compartmentalize far too much. So I don't have great depth of feeling. Is that from, from childhood? Is that, is that? Some people like to say it's from childhood. Some people just don't get it. It's, it's the work that I've put in to, I've dealt with it, mm-hmm. dealt with my past. And that's it. That's it. You know, like my sister was a victim of, of incest and she had a horrific life. I bounced off that. I understood it. I knew there was something wrong in the house. I didn't know what. Um, when she tried to tell me, I was too young to offer any kind of help. I wore that for a long time, mm. you know, or when I try and say the type of thing, but I couldn't. I was a child. And, you know, things like that I had to come to terms with. And I can talk to her. And my ex at times said to me, oh, you shouldn't talk about what, what's happened with your sister. That's not your business. That's her business. But it was my business. You're, you're there in the house. You're part of it. You're, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And, and then, of course, I was a confidant for a long time. You know, I know. Or, and, and I had a partner at the time when, when my sister finally came out with a, um, when we were in our early 20s, you know, we were drunk. She was with her husband at the time. I was with my, my girlfriend at the time. It's her dinner once a week. Anyway, this come out. And my my ex at the time didn't believe her. She said, I think she's lying. I said, no, she's not lying. She said, telling me what I knew, but I didn't have words for. I know, I knew. And then I, cho- I said to my sister, you know, you've got that choice whether you um, bring it out in the open or you don't. You know, I'm always here no matter which way you choose to go. And she ended up bringing it out um, when my parents just after they had the 40th wedding anniversary, actually. So we were around 40 ourselves, you know, just under 40. And, and my sister brought that out. And um, we were able to put it on the table with my father in particular. And he apologised. He didn't deny it. He didn't have a reason. There were no reasons, probably. He probably just did something instinctive in him. It's wrong. It's wrong in society, but other societies, it's probably not. Who knows? But my mother, my mother, probably my sister and I still struggle with um, our mother. You know, it wasn't that she, she would have had to have known. There's no way, but she'll deny all the way down the line. Pretty much just called my sister and myself liars and, you know, other stuff's come up with family that she won't use the opportunity to discuss. And so at the moment, you know, we don't have anything, even though it wasn't her fault. We have, but there, that's, that's, that's part of the, um, the trauma though, is there's a, a complicity. I can't even pronounce that. She was complicit in the act. And yeah. But she couldn't have done a thing about it. We understand that. But she was sorry. That's um, I just locked it. Um, yeah, so we don't, we don't judge her. We understand what her life must have been like because we have that empathy for all of that sort of situation, but we don't like denial. Yeah, denial, denial, denial. My, 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 went to her grave with the concept that, um, all she had ever done was a form of discipline and that it wasn't over the top. It was over the top. Oh, my gosh. You know, I can go back to my childhood. The beatings that my mother um, gave my sister and myself, I had neighbours that wanted to report her. You know, back in those days, you didn't get those opportunities to report. Hmm. But, you know, she was, she was, wow. She was only young. Um, when I was 15, 
um, 15 and a half and I started my periods. Mum was going through menopause, so you can imagine where she'd fight. Our house was at the time. Yeah. But so controlling, you know, probably because that was about the only thing she could try and do was to control us. And, oh, gosh, but before that, as little children, she was horrible. You know, I mean, I could cool a lot of people's hair with, you know, what? What, what yeah. Well, no, I had, my mother didn't have it, but I was 30. She, she and Dad were 36 when they adopted me. So she's on the verge of menopause already and um, too old to be having bloody kids. And she had three under five. Um, polio or the leftovers of polio and um, the old man had to go and work the farm all day so she had three kids under five by herself. I can understand the circumstances and the reasons why. But it didn't change it. You were no, God no. But you know like um, what can you do? It happened and she happened and she, she didn't have very good skills obviously but um, apparently since she's since she's passed, oh, look, stop beeping, phone. Um, since she passed, um, she, she, apparently she's been showing all her wrongdoings and has apologised to me. Mm, I'm, one, I don't know if that's her, and two, there's no way in the goddamn world that woman would apologise for anything. No, well, I, I really, you know, I don't even know that we even wanted an apology from Mum. We just wanted to be able to talk about it. Yeah, openly and honestly, and explore it, and yeah, yeah. And we were we were really, you know, like the catalyst was um, to find out that we had an adopted sister. She'd been adopted out. She was a year older than me. She'd been adopted out, and so she came back into our lives uh, a few years back. And so the catalyst for us was when she came back in was to ask mum, you know, like, hey, we didn't know about this, and okay, you didn't tell us, but now can we talk about it? And she. She didn't want to know, didn't, didn't want to talk about it. She wasn't going to talk about it. And so, you know, that caused that actual total rift. Mm. That was the end of it. And Is that a result of her childhood, though, like that she couldn't talk about such personal things? Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. And, and when, we, when, when she found out that we found out about this woman, you know, it would have been a shock and a surprise and whatnot. Uh, okay, we let her go away. We let her have a chance to sort of regroup. Yeah. And um, all she proceeded to do and some tell my sister and the adoptive sister, who she had had for know, six years of contact with, which we didn't know about. Right. Um, and, until my dad died, like, despite what my dad did, overall, he was probably a more honest person. And I think he would have discussed all of this. Yeah. Um, but mum just said that. Dishonesty is quite, I don't know, I've never really got to the bottom of my mother, to be honest. But, um, yeah, so, no, can't, can't. I don't let it destroy my life. I don't let her, you know, get my head and destroy my life. But, you know, she's an enigma. Well, yeah, she'll always be an enigma. And it's kind of like, I reached the point with my mother, like, um, I forgave her essentially for what she did to me because if you take all the circumstances that were in action at the time... It's quite understandable that, you know, she wasn't quite on the right level. Um, but um, what she did to the, to, to her husband um, later was just, that's evil. Well, anyway, um, I won't go into that today, but like... Um, I've got a nap. 
bringing conversations around the things that people... Oh, look, you know, like, I mean, I can expand. I just didn't want to take up your time talking because this is meant to be about you, not me. No, and that's something I do too is um, I'm... Not, and it does go as an awful way, but I do manipulate conversations by using my experiences to get other people to talk. Yes, and that's probably, I probably do similar because that's why I'm doing the podcast. And um, I've had people say, oh, I know what to talk about. And I say, well, it's my job to, you know, keep the conversation going. That's why I'm the podcast host. Yes. So, but um, essentially, um, my father, um, like, once, once I moved out of home, my brother moved out of home first and I moved out of home. My sister, who was the only natural child in the family, stayed. And it was more upsetting that it was a combination of his only natural child and his wife that did this. And he was essentially moved into the bedroom that used to be my sister and mine and my sister moved into my brother's room. And they set him up with a TV in there so that he could watch Four Corners while they watched a rom-com in the lounge room. No, not a problem. And then um, my brother visited and um, he went in to talk to the old man and um, he came out and he said, what's wrong with the old man? He doesn't seem quite right. And um, my mother's response was, oh, you know he's got dementia, don't you? And, um, well, he hasn't been to the doctor in two years. Now, this guy was on fluid medication, heart medication. He was going blind. His hearing was a bit crap. Um, basically, he was sitting in a bed with a TV remote, stay there until you die. And um, they hadn't taken him to the doctor in two years. I don't know if he had any medication. Um my brother immediately took him to the doctor. The doctor said he would have been dead in six months, if not before, if he hadn't brought him in and he lived for two years longer. Uh. Um, but that was just evil, just to put somebody in a bed and leave them there and, like, you stay there and um, we'll just wait for you to die so we get all your money. And it was just like, I'd yeah, it was callous and evil and, and, and part like, I can forgive the crap that happened to me, whatever. A lot of circumstances involved, blah, 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 blah. But she just wanted his money. And it was more upsetting that his own daughter, his own flesh and blood, turned around to my brother and said, stop interfering. And I'm like, she said, what? So, yes, um, my father then passed away and I went to his funeral and my mother passed away and I never went to her funeral. And um, I think I'll be going to my mother's either. I, I don't, as I said, I don't hang on to it because I'm not going to let anyone control my head. But I also, it, I, it's a very much a cut and it's cut and gone and it's in the past. My sisters both do hold stuff. They will often say, oh, you know what she did that I heard. And I go, you know what, girls? Not interested. Yeah. I don't, I'm just not interested. I'm not, I don't, don't want to know. You know, I'm one of those people, once a door is shut, it's, it's closed, it's closed, I can move on. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to peek in, peek around the edge. I don't, it's not necessary. You know, you make those decisions. And then uh, one of my partner's dads, um, I remember him saying, when it's not giving up smoking that's hard, it's the decision. 
And that's so true in everything you do. It's a decision. You make that decision and you stand firm on it. Oh, God, yeah, I didn't speak to that woman. Um, oh, remember the last time I spoke to I don't even know what the conversation was about. But it was essentially that I'd moved to WA and I hadn't told And um, within five minutes, this woman used to be able to make me cry. And I was crying on the phone. And my three-year-old son came over and took one look at his mum and pulled the phone out of my hand. Had absolutely no clue who it was on the other end. Stopped making my mummy cry and hung up on her. And I never spoke to her again. And um, it was sort of like I've reached a point now where it's like, even though I'm talking about it today, everybody goes, oh, stop living in the past. I'm Okay, oh, you know, like, I'm not living in the past. I'm just relating a story. It's all factual stuff. It's just a story. And she is not allowed to have any more of my energy. Like, I totally understand that. And that's what I can talk about anything. Um, I've got a few touchy things in my past so that, you know, I can talk about it rather than not. Um, you know, you can't deal with everything. But overall... You know, I don't like when people say, oh, you know, like, um, they think you're living there just because you're talking about it. You're not living there. You're talking about it. You're relating the story. It's exactly that. And the other thing too is like, I don't care what anybody says. When you are abused in some format, like your sister and that, and even my abuse, like your brain format is changed in that process. And the hypervigilance and the overthinking and the oversharing, not necessarily... Um, but then you like you like you've got these things that people say, Oh, you're living in the past. No, they're who I am now and I'm quite happy with those things, thanks very much. Because overthinking allows me to be so creative in my art room. Yes, if I'm thinking bad things and how I'm alone and I'll be alone forever and blah blah blah, then I'm gonna go down into a hole. But if I'm creative and I've got something um that I wanna express in art then I need to be emotional emotional and, and dramatic and all those wonderful things for it to happen. The reason that I gave up on femininity is because it was a weakness in my mind and it also meant that I um, 
because that meant crying and crying wasn't happening and <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then, and, and now like, you find I'm crying at a movie. Oh, movie. You can't cry. Uh, I can now. Um, I don't like doing it in front of people. Uh, it's not, it's disgusting. But, you know, like. Um, a woman after me. No, I actually, I, I don't cry. I, I don't cry. That's what I mean, that lack of emotion. My ex, she was crying. Uh, and I couldn't get it. You know what I mean? I just go back, why are you crying? You know, I don't understand it. You know, like, get a grip. And, and that would make her even more upset. Then she'd get angry. Because... I actually cry more when I get really, really angry. I get so angry, I start crying. Yes, 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 100%. Because I don't get really angry anymore, I don't cry. You know, and I don't even... Oh, yeah, I get tear up in a movie, you know, it's yanking at heartstrings. But overall... No, just to cry for the sake of it, just to sit here and think oh, I'm going to be a miserable woman with a cat. No, I don't even think that's sad. I think that's excellent. And, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's only so, like, I'll be sitting watching YouTube all day, which is kind of my thing. And um, and then there'll be a video and I'll be like, why am I crying over that? And it's not even about the people on the screen. It's actually... The connection or the thought connection between what if that was my kid? What if it was basically what if that was my kid? Sorry, that's the overthinker, Heather. I don't overthink, see. I yeah. don't. I don't know. I don't even think I could directly stop the overthinking. I don't know that I ever ever thought. Um, but I don't overthink. I don't go. Oh, what if that was my? And I, I'm not a what if person. Oh God, I was. I was. I was. You know that young lass that stopped the bus in the Bowser, you know, at some school, you know, the runaway bus and I went over the road and she had enough sense to stop it. I, I can't stand that people go, it nearly hit the Bowser or I nearly had an accident. You know, like, no, you didn't. You didn't have an accident. And she didn't hit the Bowser. And I remember what nearly happened. I'm really realistic and it's like, Nah. And so I don't, I, I, I lack of empathy. I lack empathy, sad. And um, yeah, it is. It did either happen or it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to have to um, thank you very much for your time and I have to shoot off. Well, that's fine, Kelly, and thank you for your time. It's been a very interesting conversation. And you're welcome to come back and we can do this again and expand on all you talked about it and talk about other things if you want. If not, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it and have fun. I will, and thank you for that opportunity. And yeah, I'd love to talk again. If I didn't have to go out and eat. <laughs> well, go out on the heat and enjoy yourself anyway. I will. Okay, well, thank you very much. It was very nice to do this. All right, Kelly. See you later. All right. Bye-bye.
Well, everybody, that was uh, Kelly King, um, a lovely lady who shared some of her life with us today. Um, as you can tell, she has a very interesting view of the world and a very interesting story, something I'd like to expand on in the future. So hopefully Kelly will be back. And um, as you can tell, really she's not scared of talking about just about anything and everything, which is good because this is what this um, is all about, right? Getting people with views and interpretations of life out into the world. I hope you'll um, be back to hear more from Kelly and others and myself in the future uh, when we turn the page of the Brown Book. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe and help the channel grow. Um, we all know that um, liking and sharing and subscribing is what um, makes this all work and I'll be back um, with more podcasts in the future and please enjoy your day. Thank you so, so much. Talk to you soon.